Blog Talk Radio. It is Friday, and welcome to the debut of page one, Brand New Era. I am LeVar, and along with me for the ride, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Mary. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Now, I have, uh, I think you were a little surprised by the uh, brand new music at the top of the show. Um, Shocked. We were, uh, you're shocked. (laughs) But, you know what, I actually, yesterday, saw on TV someone saying that after January 2nd, uh, they ignore people who come along and say Happy New Year to them. At what point do you pretty much stop taking people saying Happy New Year to you? I give it a week. One week. Really? You you don't know when you're going to run into somebody. It might not be for a week. Seven days. So there's actually like a rule so there's actually a rule of thumb as to how long you have to say Happy New Year. So if I if I don't see you until probably January 9th or 10th, you know, and I say Happy New Year, am I out of, out of tune? <laughs> out of touch, out of Are you what? breaking some kind of rule? I don't think so. I think it yeah. really just depends no. on the person and how crotchety they are. Crotchety. I like yeah, that word. Yeah. <laughs> there are some people who... You know, after a certain time, it's kind of like, you know, in between then, you know, like after Christmas or, you know, like before their birthday. Some people get really touchy about that stuff if you say it the day before. They're like, I might not see you on your birthday. So I'm like, hey, you know, happy birthday. You're like, it's not my birthday. It's not till tomorrow. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down there, buddy. And those are the people you would call crotchety. They uh, I, I, I am I, not one. Uh, <laughs> People, you tell me happy birthday. You can tell me happy birthday all the month of my birthday, and I will be happy birthday to you. What kills me is that these are the same people that will stretch it out for a week and will celebrate for like seven days in a row, but yet you can't tell it to them the day before. I don't know. (laughs) That's my. I think we just had our first two minute rant of the year. But (laughs) anyway. Uh, if you were with us last week, we had our year in review show, so we had to kind of put some things on the back burner. But there were a few stories that I kind of kept from the week before that I thought were pretty interesting to note. And one of which was a story out of Iowa. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, an all-male Iowa State Supreme Court ruled 
that a gentleman by the name of James Knight, who was the boss of Melissa Nelson, and I guess to give you a background on this in a second, uh, they said that he was within his legal rights when he fired her. Now, why, you ask? Uh, she was fired for, quote, being too irresistible and a threat to her employer's marriage. Now, Nelson's lawyer said that they got it completely wrong, and what the I.O. and, well, of course, his lawyer said the I.O. Supreme Court was right. The background story of this was even weirder than most. For Nelson, a 32-year-old married mother, too, the news were firing and the rationale behind it came as kind of a shock. She said, quote, that I was very surprised after working so many years side by side, and she didn't have any idea they would have crossed his mind. Now, the two never had a sexual relationship or sought one, according to court documents. However, in the final year and a half of her employment, he began to make comments about her clothing being too tight or distracting. This is all allegedly, just so that we're not clear here. This is things that allegedly happened, quote, unquote. And... <laughs> Pretty much before she was fired, her boss began exchanging text messages about work and personal matters, such as updates about each of their children's activities. But the messages were mostly mundane until she got one about how she, how often she experienced orgasm. Now, she never responded to that text and never indicated that she was uncomfortable with his question, according to court documents. And then after, I guess a little bit after, his wife, the doctor's wife, who also works for the practice, found out about the text messaging and ordered her husband to fire Nelson. The couple consulted with a senior pastor at their church, and he agreed that Nelson should be terminated in order to protect the marriage. And on January 4, 2010, she was summoned to a meeting with Knight while a pastor was present. Knight then read from a prepared statement telling her that she had been fired and that it said that Dr. Knight felt like uh, for the best interest of his marriage and for the best interest of hers to end their employment relationship. Now, there's just a bunch of other stuff in there that's just not right at all. But when you read this story, what did you think? Is this sort of bad it was, for people down the line? Oh, yeah. I thought it was B. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to swear as much as <laughs> Resolution number one. It was, that, was, that was a bunch of BS. I mean, really, seriously. I see a lot of things wrong. <laughs> it's such a bad precedence. But then on top of that, that all-male Supreme Court, mm-hmm, all-male, would they hold that up if it was flipped? Like if it was, like if Nelson was a male and the doctor was a female? Or would they be like, dude, she's totally hitting on you. She's afraid that you know, you're going to ruin her marriage, blah, blah, blah. I mean, would it be the same if it was flipped? That was the big thing that I was thinking about. It was like, you know, put the shoe on the other foot. And then on top of that, Nelson totally yeah. missed, I don't know how many chances to, to say sexual harassment, you know, if he's Pretty making much. comments about and her that, clothing and texting her outside of work and, you know, saying stuff about orgasms. There's so many things there that she could be like, hostile work environment. Pretty yeah. much. And I think that was one of the things that I had a conversation with a few people about this over the holidays. And I think that was one of the things that people had said was, why didn't she say anything? And it's happened in this you know, uh, well, I mean, you pretty much have to speak up. And I think that's the thing that hurt her in that case, was that she didn't say anything. And I, I was well, more surprised wasn't at the end of the day. Yeah, and I was surprised more so at the end of the day that it took him to have his pastor with him the day that he and fired wife. her. And his wife. 
and his wife. Yeah, he, not just the pastor and his wife. He and a prepared statement. So the statement was prepared, reviewed, checked over by his pastor and his wife. I wonder if the pastor and the wife are having an affair. Uh huh. But this is just maddening though, and it sets a dangerous precedent because I mean I mean I mean if you've seen my love with the host If you see my lovely co host, she could be next on that. I mean it, it's just a dangerous thing where people can be I mean I've heard and I've seen instances in the last year we've we've done different stories here of people who have been fired you know for uh, being too sexy for the job I think there was a lady out of New Jersey who was a banker or something like that that was let go it's just maddening that 10 years 10 years they work together and all of a sudden you're too irresistible I I'm just floored <laughs> that Regardless of whether condoms are made easily available to them. And 
across the U.S., at least 418 public schools make condoms available to students, according to Advocates for Youth, which is a group dedicated to educate and assist young people in sexual health. Of those schools, more than half distribute condoms via school nurses or teachers, while just 3% uh, use vending machines. So you are the parent of a child who is a few years away from high school. Mm-hmm. You read this article and you felt what? Relieved? No. Um, I see where the parents are coming from. However, the parents that scream the loudest are the ones in the most denial about their children that are having sex. And their children are probably the ones that are having the most sex. Um it, Teens are going to have sex regardless of whether or not mm-hmm. mommy and daddy say it's okay. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, if I'm breaking the news to any parent out there, really? I mean, you were a teen at one point in time, you know. Don't forget well, that. I'm, I'm it should be a shock. for parents out there. Yeah, you're right, and I've got news for parents out there. Look at your kids' Facebook pages or look at where they're at on social media. It's happening at an even younger age before high school. And that's I know, the, and that scares me. The scary, and it's the scary and the sad thing is that it is happening along 11, 12-year-olds who are now, you know, whether it starts with, you know, little videos that they're posting in this age of cell phones and in this age, and we've done this story in the past, in this age of cell phones, in this age of, uh, you know, social media, Kids now in a quest to stick out for the group and get this, I guess, admiration are now doing things that maybe us as the current age group, and what I mean us, I mean 30 and above, would not have done at their age. And I think more so often because, you know, there's this openness now and there's just so much out there being judged kids are pretty much going the sexual route thinking that is a social form of acceptance and it leads to this. And I think that's even more disturbing when you've got 25% of these teens being the responsible amount for HIV. So if this is going to curb that number and if this is going to do something for it, I'm all for it. And I know it's disturbing, but sadly, this is just one of those things of where time, you know, uh, has pretty much... They have uh, changed. They have changed, yeah. They have changed. We are not in the 50s anymore. People don't court, although I miss that. I miss that. I would like to be courted. That would be nice. Anyway, off on a tangent, people don't court anymore. They don't get pinned. They don't do... This is social media, not even just social, just media in general. Things are just getting thrown and bombarded and and, and just chucked at our children. And, and younger and younger, they're catching on. Um, I don't like that they go all the way down to 12. Um, I think at some point we do have to kind of draw the line a little bit. And I know this is a, this is a parental thing. Your children should not be allowed to be, quote-unquote, adult-ish at the age of 12. You know, well, no, I'm sorry. I, I use 12 as an example. Yeah, I just want no, to no, no, no. 12 was actually mentioned example. in that there are some places that go yeah. all the way down to, like, fifth grade yeah. oh, in yeah. the article. And yeah. I was like, really? Middle school? Yeah. That should not be – I mean, they should be oh, – that should be when they should be learning about it, not when they should be having it. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. should. 
and again, I'm saying should. I'm I'm not I'm not going to be one of those parents that put on the blinders and go, no, my child is never going to, and my my child's not going to have sex until she's married. I'm not stupid. Okay, I would love for that to happen, and that would be probably the best gift ever as a mother. But I don't think it's being a realistic, being realistic in in my brain. It's it's more along the lines of, I have to be ready for those questions that come up because they're going to come up. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather her be yeah. open with me about it than me putting on the blinders and going, "No, you're never going to have sex again. You know, you're never going to have sex until you're married. You're not going to have. You're not going to move out of my house until you're 95. You know, or whatever. You're not allowed to date until you're 300 years old. As much as I joke about that, and as much as that would be great, I know better. So I have to be ready and I'm open not, and ready for that. And I'm glad yeah, that I'm, the schools are not, being proactive, not reactive. Yeah, and I'm not a parent, I'm not an author, but usually I talk to a lot of my friends who have kids, and I tell them, you know, I kind of see some things sometimes from the outside looking in, and it's an important thing, and I guess I'm not going to be preaching about this, because what you do with your child is your own, but mm-hmm. from what I've seen and from what has happened, you know, it is best that you as parents are, I guess, brave enough to not put this in the back of your mind like, you know, I don't want to hear it, la, 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 because the thing is is that this is what's happening, and you have to be up front and you have to answer your kids' questions because if you don't, I guarantee you, they are going to go to another source that you probably don't want them to hear it from or they are just going to go ahead on their own assumption and think that what they're doing is fine. So when your kid comes to you and wants to discuss these things, I think it's the best thing in the world for parents to be open with their kids about these topics. And I'd love to have a doctor or somebody on this show to talk about it and actually uh, working on that. But it's just it's one of those things where it's getting, I guess in my mind, it's more disturbing when it's happening at a younger age, but I'd rather parents be, you know, when faced with the presentation of this happening, please don't be in denial about it. Because when right. you're in denial about it, you're blind to it. And when you're blind to it, that's when things are going to happen. And then you're going to be like, well, if I wasn't so in denial about it, it is too late. So That's when your kids end up pregnant or with an HIV. I, uh, that's, or Not an HIV, sorry, an STD, HIV being one of them. Um, yeah. you got to be a willow. Oh, you got to be a willow tree. Strong on the outside, be firm, be, be you know, this is these are the rules. But be flexible enough to accept and answer and guide your child. That's that's yeah. the only thing that I would say. And that's hard yeah. to do. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's an easy thing. Trust me, I'm struggling with it every day. So congratulations to the parents that do it, and I hope everybody aspires to that. Yeah, so I'm I'm all for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm all for it, but yeah, just as long as it's done in a way in which you know these kids are learning to. Being in the nurse's office, with... kids are going to be more embarrassed to go in there, but at least it's available. And if they're if they have the the fourth foresight to go into the nurse's office and get that, okay, it sucks that you're kind of admitting to the school that you're having sex, but then most of these people are trying to be cool and look like they're having sex anyway, so. Yeah, I'm glad that the, you know that at least they have some. It's somewhere and it's responsible and being looked after. It's in the nurse's office. It's very, and yeah, it's not like backwoods, you know, hey, under the table kind of thing. I don't know. 
you don't do that with condoms. <laughs> I got a stash here, man. I got a stash. Yeah. From 1902. Yeah. 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 Speaking of, well, before I go on, we actually have a caller. So I'm kind of interested to see what they have to say. <laughs> Hello, caller? Oh, hi. This is Dean from New York City. Excuse me, I'm a little under the weather. I've got a sore throat. <laughs> but hi, I oh, caught the okay. show. Hi, both of you, Bavar and Mary. It's a pleasure. Uh, uh, so I, I didn't get, like, the gist of your Please, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I tuned in just a few minutes ago, but you're talking about uh, the contraception for young people in school. Is that that the topic? Or yeah, in Philadelphia, yeah. yeah, in Philadelphia, they are going to be having uh, condom uh, uh, condoms for uh, high school students there because there's a high amount of HIV uh, among uh, students there in. Philadelphia, and they are going to start offering condom use, the condoms in the nurse's office for students. Now, they can't opt out. Uh, the parents can opt them out of it if they want to. Well, I, I think so that's an excellent idea. Uh-huh. So what do you think? I think it's an excellent idea. I, I, I thought it was a tragedy um, when Jocelyn Elders, you know, the former uh, uh, Surgeon General, was fired because she advocated, I think, masturbation well, she, she acknowledged that masturbation was an alternative for young people. We have to deal with the reality of um, the human condition. And uh, I understand, particularly I know in, in the black community, there's a very high rate of uh, HIV. And I know there's a size community in, in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But among young people, yeah, um, they're, gonna, they're going to harm and stress. They're going to act out sexually. Um and uh, I think it's despite what we ideally what we'd like to have, we have to deal with the reality of the situation. It's about saving lives and uh, develop the kind of habits that uh, would the prophylactic measures that would prevent, uh, you know, uh, say a, a pound of, a pound of prevention is worth an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So, exactly. Yeah, I think that, I think that's an excellent idea. I don't think it's even antagonistic to any religious You know, it's just a clinical decision. You know, they're not advocating that people be promiscuous or not, but it, you know, they're just saying, hey, promiscuous, and, you know, statistics indicate that they more than likely will be, have sex, not even say promiscuous. They will have um And see young people not that savvy here. You know, here's a condom. You know, do it safely. That's it. I could have put it better yeah, myself. And, and, yeah. And uh, that's pretty much what we were talking about. It's scary that it's happening at such a young age. So, uh, But if this is what it's going to take to get those numbers down, then so be it. So, But uh, we do appreciate you for calling in. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope your cold gets a little better. Well, thank you. I just want to say, I, I think that the larger society, just like uh, when it came to homosexuals in the uh, 70s, early 80s, and we thought it was a gay male disease, and we realized it was, uh, you know, sexually transmitted, and that now it's shifted and become a primarily a heterosexual disease. 
Well, I mean, it's a sexual disease, but I mean, largest demographic is uh, uh, effect impacted by HIV/AIDS or heterosexuals. Mm-hmm. Similarly, a lot of people think, well, uh, you know, it's not going to affect our demographic or older people and so forth. You know, if this is allowed to metastasize among the younger, among the youth, that age cohort, it's going to spread to everyone else. So, you know, we got to, <laughs> you know, we have to deal with ground zero before it spreads anywhere else. So, you know, public health, it's not just that age cohort, and I think a lot of people uh, who are older don't really see it that way. I think they need to look at the larger picture. Definitely. Definitely. It's definitely looking at It's always the larger picture in the end. Well, thank you, my friend, for calling in, and thank you for listening. Thank you, LeVar. Thank you, Mary. God bless you both. God bless you, too. God bless you, too. Yeah, and it's it's definitely an issue where you have to, you know, look at it from the ground floor up. And, uh, you know, for them, uh, hopefully it will uh, lower those numbers. And it's all about education. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Had a couple of minutes left. I want to get through this last story here. And we talked about it. It's kind of an update to another story. And, and I'm going to do this as quick as I can. But yeah. another story, once again, of someone trying to, uh, I guess offer. The, well, you know what? I'm not even going to go to that one. I'm going to save that one for next. Time. <laughs> so we'll go to this. One. But you know what? Because this one, that one in itself was a story in itself. I'm going to save that one till next week. But this one actually was interesting. We talked about Fifty Shades of Grey, and uh, the course is now going to be taught at American University of Washington D.C. Uh, when all three of the uh, Fifty Shades books. It's going to be taught by adjunct uh, professor Steph Woods, who came up with the idea after a summer spent talking about, quote, mommy porn. And American University agreed, and they are coming up with a class now called Contemporary American Culture, the Fifty Shades Trilogy, and it was added as a three-credit undergrad anthropology class for the spring 2013 semester. You, my friend, I know you are a huge fan of the Fifty Shades books. Would you take a class in Fifty Shades? Now, it's not exactly what you're thinking it is. <laughs> it would get to you that it's under anthropology. So that's a look yeah, at like, yeah. the slice of American culture right there. You know, it's not even like, really? <laughs> like anthropology, well, psychology, I'd agree with, human sexuality, um, uh, but yeah, even I guess anthropology does fit. But I don't know how that's going to work, you know. I just when I think anthropology, I'm looking at the okay, the slice of America, that culture and that that whole thing. I don't know how that works. But would yeah, I take it, class? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what what she's her take on it. I'd like to see her take on it because you know my take on well, it. It's not about the sex. Well, she said this Although is not like a sex shop yeah. She said this is not a sex shop book club. We're now we're not looking at how these characters can inspire us to expand our sexual boundaries. She said the sexual themes are there and she's not going to ignore them or read only chapters that deal with character development. She says, much like a journal article, they might not like every page, but it's necessary to have the full perspective. And pretty much they want to look at it from uh I guess uh they want to study all three of the Fifty Shades books, uh, including the prose, the apex references, and all of it. So, uh, very interesting. Yeah, because the writing on it, not the, the, the writing is not great. Yeah. No offense <laughs> to anybody that thought the, that was great. And it's not the first time they're offering a class in uh, on a book, they actually, or a television, or anything like that. That they actually offered a class on the wire. 
and they teach a class looking at vampires in history and literature, incorporating Twilight series. So, I don't know. Which is ridiculous. Twilight is not vampires. I will continue to say that. uh, Vampires do not sparkle. (laughs) Vampires suck your blood. They live in nighttime. That's what they do. Evil. evil Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. You know, the course would be fun to do, I think. It would be an interesting take on how you read the books. I guess. Yeah. So. I'm just looking forward to the cat and hat class, so that's pretty much where I'm That would be awesome. That. Why don't they do a Dr. Seuss? I would take a Dr. Seuss class. I don't know, a Green Acres. Green Acres. Somebody's going to have one of Dr. Seuss. Somebody's going to have one of Dr. Seuss. Oh, the places you go. I know what But with that, the clock on the wall is telling us that our time is running out. My friend, do you have any shout outs for this first show of the new year? Well, I'd like to say hi to Amir. Uh, but that's beside oh. the point. Um, other than that, eh, no. Happy New Year to everybody. I know that I'm like four days behind, but Happy New Year. Happy 2013. <laughs> can you say Happy 2013? That's not Happy New Year. Uh, yes, you can say Happy Happy 2013 as well. And uh, shout out to everybody who is following us at Newscom at BTR on Twitter. Uh, or at all of our other pages and who are supporting us and listening in. Bye, everybody. Peace out.